Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. A few weeks ago, I was driving down the motorway. Um, I was on my way back to Stoke. Those of you who know me will know I go back to Stoke quite a lot. I spend a lot of my life driving back to Stoke. Um, And most of the time, I'm going to number 11. It's the chariot I run. It's in the middle of Stoke, kind of in the centre. So you take the M56 and the M6, and you make your way into the middle of Stoke. But very occasionally, I go and visit my parents. Um, Now, my parents are sort of the north end of Stoke, so that involves the A34, not the M6. Um, But... I'll be honest, 90% of the time when I'm driving that journey, I'm going down the M6 to Stoke. Um, Whereas a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting my parents. I was very aware that I was visiting my parents. I knew that's where I was meant to be going. Um, And I got onto the motorway, and I got a phone call, or I think I made a phone call. I think it was actually you. I realised it was you. You were the problem in this story. Um, (laughs) But I was on the phone to Hannah. It was all hands-free, nothing illegal going on, I promise. And we were talking through some stuff, and I just got very distracted. And about 20, 25 minutes into my journey, I realised I was heading off the M56, onto the M6, going to the complete wrong place. Um, And it kind of dawned on me, and I felt a bit stupid, because you know, the M6 is a nightmare, there's no easy place to turn off and just go the right way. Um, And I kind of got about halfway there, literally before I realised I was going the complete wrong way. Um, I had set out with good intentions uh, to go to my parents, and weirdly, that you can tell that I spend too much time in church, the first thing that came into my head was this would make a great sermon illustration, <laughs> despite the fact I was very annoyed. Um, and I wonder if you can relate to that story in the way that sometimes we set off with a plan in our minds, um, but as soon as life gets busy, maybe we get distracted, maybe we get tired, we end up just going the ways we've always gone. You know, maybe you've uh, got an intention that you want to pray more. Maybe you want to eat healthier. Maybe you want to exercise. Maybe you've got, someone's someone's getting a a helpful nudge there. Um, Hint, hint, Steve. Um, Maybe you've got that unhelpful thought pattern that you've been trying to break and you're trying to stop yourself thinking about that. Maybe there's a habit that you just can't get yourself free of. You're sick of doing it and you're trying to break it. You wrestle with it and you've struggled with it and you know the way you want to go and you've started out on that journey. But as soon as you get distracted, as soon as you get tired, as soon as things get difficult, you just fall back to the way you've always gone into the same patterns. Um, And we're going to start a new series this morning. Uh, It's only a five-week series and it's a bit of a precursor to what we're going to be looking at in September with our Practicing the Way series. Um, And I just want to look at one question this morning in our first of our foundation topics. We are going to be looking at scripture and I just want to ask the question, is there a better way? Life all, quite a lot of us, can be tough, it can wear us down, it can just be difficult. Is there a better way than what we may experience? We can get so stuck in patterns, whether it's thought patterns or habits that we're desperate to break free of, but we just Con, is there a better way? Um, and so I want to turn to our passage this morning. It's 2 Timothy 3, and we're going to look at verses 14 through to 17. And it says for this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those are from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good 
work. And the first bit of that that I want to draw your attention to this morning is verse 16. Uh, So just cast your eyes up to verse 16. All scripture is God breathed. Um, Now, obviously, the Bible was physically written by humans. We're well aware of that. They kind of put, is it ink to parchment would have been the phrase back then. Um, And we know humans are far from perfect. But actually, what we read when we read the Bible is not normal human writing. Their, Their writing was literally breathed out by the Holy Spirit. And I love the wording of that. I absolutely love it. It's kind of like midst on a mirror that the words of the Bible are God in breath form, in word form. And we know that our God is a God of life, a God of love, and a God of hope. So when we read the text of the Bible, that is what we are being directed towards. We are being directed to life and love and hope. Now, we won't go into all the nitty-gritty and the references, but you'll see very clearly in the writings of both Peter and Paul, and just common sense, that sometimes the Bible is difficult to understand. And we need to work through it, and we need to work it out. But at its root and its core, the words of this book are always there to bring us life. Always. And I look, I kind of look at the life of Jesus. And he was um, the only human who has ever lived, who not only knew, but lived out perfectly the words of these scriptures. And he lived in perfect relationship with God, despite the fact he was fully man. And I look at Jesus' life, and what do I see? I see a man who was at perfect peace with himself. He knew who he was. He knew what he was there for, what he was there to do. He was never kind of stressed and strained by this world. He was content. He was grounded. He lived a life full of joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and patience. And I look at that, I'm like, that is what I want. That is what I want for my life as well. And actually, we can have it. We can have that, that life to the full, that full package. And the question that I just want to look at this morning is how? Is there a better way? How can we have the life the way Jesus lived it? And I just want to look again at verse 16. You can see the words I've highlighted. All scriptures, God breathes and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, training in righteousness is something we're going to come on to in September, and we're going to read about it for about three months. So we're going to get proper into the nitty-gritty. Today is just a taster, um, and as part of that taster, I just want you to look with me at the Matthew 7, um, and in a minute we're going to look at verse 24. Now, these words, before we get into them, um, come from the end of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you're new um, to reading the Bible, essentially there was a time when Jesus was in Galilee, a load of crowds were surrounding him, so he decided to just go up on a mountainside, he sat down, and he basically taught them what is his manifesto. He taught them the core of most of what we consider Jesus' teachings are all packed into Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about salt and life, he talks about prayer, he talks about the law, giving to the poor, fasting, worrying, literally you name it, Jesus talks about it. Uh, It is basically the how-to of what it means to follow Jesus. Those three passages, five, six, and seven. And right at the end of it, Jesus says these words. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yes, it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streets rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now, can you spot, I kind of hinted it a little bit in the way I read it, but can you spot what Jesus wants us to do in that passage? He does not say, he who comes to church 
is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. He who comes to church and listens to some teaching is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He doesn't even say, he who listens to some teaching and maybe prays about it is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The words Jesus uses here is who puts them into practice. And I just want to highlight, we've got put them into practice. In the verse from Timothy, we read about training in righteousness. Um, Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 40, people is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. You know, in Corinthians, we read about running the race. The, the, the analogy goes on and on and on. There is a theme of training and practice and running a race. Now, in 2012, I ran the London Marathon. It was a terrible idea, an absolutely terrible idea. My body hated me for it. It was a terrible decision. If any of you are thinking about it, don't do it. Um, but when I started, um, I'd been ill for a period beforehand. So when I started training for the marathon, I kid you not, I could not run a mile. I'm not even exaggerating there. I know that you look at me and think I'm the peak of, you know, athletic prowess with this body. I know you're all thinking that. Uh, it may surprise you to know I could not run a mile. But as I got out there, time and time again, I did hill runs, whether it was long runs, fartlek, short runs, whatever it was that I was doing, over months and months and months, that started to change. And I went from being someone who literally, I am not exaggerating when I say could not run a mile, to in April 2012, I think it was, ran 26.2 miles. Now, my toenails may have all fallen off and gone black. It was pretty horrible. There was some horrendous chafing situations that I will not tell you about from the front of church. Um, but through months and months of training, I got there. I just want to wind back to the start. Think about some of the stuff this world throws at us. The world can grind us down. It is difficult. We face difficult situations. Let's say maybe you're here this morning, you're struggling with worry. Let's say you're worried about money. Maybe you're worried about your health or the health of someone you love. Let's say you're worried about a damaged relationship or someone who's hurt you. Now that Sermon on the Mount that I've just talked about, Jesus talks about worry. He tells us, uh, he teaches us not to worry. He says, don't worry. Uh, and he tells us how to do that. He tells us to seek first God's kingdom. He tells us to trust that worrying kind of adds nothing to our lives. Um, and he tells us, you know, as God looks after all of creation, he's going to look after us as well. So you now all know that teaching. Hands up if you now think you're equipped to never worry again. Some be brave. There's always one. There isn't even one. Of course there is. Um, I think sometimes we can read the words of the Bible and think if we read them and we know them, it's just going to solve all our problems. If we just read this passage of scripture and we pray about it, maybe that's just going to solve all our problems. And I don't want to be too controversial this morning, but I think what I'm saying is backed up by scripture. That is a load of rubbish. It is an absolute load of rubbish. You cannot just read the words of Matthew 6 and say, oh, it says, don't worry, therefore I'm not going to worry. This is easy. This is fine. It doesn't work like that. But why doesn't it work like that? Because the Bible's teaching is true, it is perfect. We can see there, um, or we could see before, it, it can teach us, it can correct us. That's what the words of the Bible are there to do. So why can't we just turn our lives around and live as if it's true? Why doesn't it work that way? When I, I ran the marathon, I led a lot of different blogs. You would be amazed at how many blogs there are on the internet about running a marathon. I read magazines back when magazines were still a thing. Um, I read lots of articles, and they were all really, really helpful. Um, they taught me a lot about my eating, working on things like your core strength, changing the different types of training that you do. I learned an awful lot. But just reading those articles would not have helped me run a marathon. 
In fact, just reading them and maybe going out and doing them once, eating right once, and then going for a run once does not help you run a marathon. What helps you run a marathon is putting that teaching into practice over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's training over and over again. And when it comes to the Bible, just reading the Bible's teaching on its own and then maybe praying about it once and expecting it to have a magical transformation in our lives. Just sitting there being like, oh yeah, I can see that I I, I need more patience. I'm going to pray for patience and then all of a sudden I'll magically be patient. It doesn't work like that. Our journey with the Bible is one of training. It's putting it into practice. Not over a day, a week, a month, a year. It's over a lifetime. And as we do that, we will become the sort of people who can, at this point, maybe not even run a mile, but in 10 years and 20 years and 50 years be able to run a whole marathon. We'll start out as people who can't pray and find it really difficult. And we sit down and we open our Bibles and we're like, I don't even know what to read. I don't even know what words to pray. I don't even know what to do. I'm just getting distracted to being people who in 10, 20, 30 years' time are on fire in our relationship with Jesus and are buzzed about our quiet times. People who have no patience and no kindness. It is a training process. Um, Now, I don't think anyone here... I don't even know if we have a health and safety representative from church. I think that's fine. Um, I'm just going to get some matches, and I'm going to hope there's no smoke alarms in this place. Um, If it goes off, just stay where you are. We know there's no fire. Um, I think we can risk it. I think we can risk it. (laughs) What's life without a bit of risk? So I just wanted to leave you with a visual analogy of what I'm saying. So I want you to think of reading your Bible, um, which you're, and reading the words of Scripture, reading Jesus' teachings as this match. Um, it is a slightly flawed analogy, but we'll pretend it's perfect. Um, reading your Bible and reading the words of Jesus are like this match. Now, if I strike this match on my shirt, if I strike it on my paper, uh, on this music stand, it's going to do absolutely nothing. If we read the words of our Bible and we're just treating it as an intellectual exercise, if we pick our Bibles up and we say, okay, yeah, this is what I want. I want to be able to live this life. I'm just going to read it. Maybe I'll pray about it once. Maybe I'll put it into action maybe once. And then it it doesn't work. So I'm going to say the Bible doesn't work. Of course it doesn't work because we're striking our match on the wrong surface. Whereas if you strike, and this would be really embarrassing if I can't do it, but if you strike your match on the right surface, I think we're good. If you strike your match on the right surface, it makes this flame. Now, this flame, it could go and start a fire. It could start an explosion. It has an infinite amount of power. I'm going to stop this before it burns my fingers. Um, If you combine reading your Bible with the right surface, with a heart that is open to being challenged and being changed, a heart that is ready to put it into practice, to go again and again and again and mess it up and get up and go again and again and again. The words of this book can transform your life, literally transform your life. There is unlimited power there. Um, Now, some of you in this room, probably not all of you, will know my story over the last six months. Um, December through to June has probably been the most difficult time in my entire life. It has been, it's just been challenging. Uh, And it's not appropriate for me to kind of share all the details of those things and and share um, a lot of what's gone on. But it has been hard. It has been really, really tough. Um, But fortunately, and whether there's um, something going on here, before this period hit in, um, I'd been on a real journey in my faith. Now, I've been a Christian around 10 years or so. um, But over the last 18 months, 
something has changed, and I don't really know what it is. I'm still trying to work out, but something has clicked in my head on a deeper level about recognising that following Jesus really can set us free. And I always believed that. I knew that in my head, but there's been a bit of a transition down to my heart of recognising that actually following Jesus' teachings is the best way. It is the way to life and peace and joy and contentment, even in the worst circumstances. But it only comes when we commit. We can't follow Jesus as a hobby. We can't dabble with a bit of church and coming along to community group on Tuesday and expect it to have any transformative power because we're trying to combat the forces of this world which are also trying to shape us. But when we take our apprenticeship to Jesus seriously, when we allow our hearts to be open for God to work in his spirit and transform us, something happens. And we're going to do a lot more on this come September. But for now, I just want to say something incredible happens when we don't just know it in our heads, but we let it sink into our hearts and we train and we live it and we focus our lives around this apprenticeship to Jesus. Now, have I got it right? Do I tell you this because I have nailed it? Absolutely not. Those of you who know me know I'm an absolute mess a lot of the time. But something has happened over the last six months. In, in and amongst the, probably the hardest period I've ever lived through with work, number 11, the chariot I run, some bits and bobs that have happened personally, something has happened that I have never seen before. It has completely blown my mind. I've seen the impact of some of those foundations that as I've started to learn to shift my priorities and put some things down so that Jesus can come first and front and centre. As I've um, completely transformed my prayer life, as I've picked up habits like trying to memorise scripture and things like that, so that I can call them to mind on dark days. As those things have happened, I've noticed in the worst times, when I've been at absolute rock bottom, I've just had a peace. I've known joy when it makes no sense to know joy. I've just been more content and less anxious than I have ever been in my life. And I do not say this to act like I've got it all together, because any of you who know me know that I absolutely do not. But I've started to see the transformative power of the words of this book. I've started to see the transformative power that happens when the Holy Spirit moves inside of us. When we say, actually, we know we can't get it right, but God, we want to open our hearts up. We want to put ourselves in a position where we are sticking our heads into the words of our Bible and training so that God can do a work in each one of us. The words of this book are full of life. All scripture is God breathed. It helps us to train and live lives that are full of that joy and that peace and that contentment. I want that life. But kind of like the match that we've just struck, that's only going to happen when you're striking it on the right surface. We see very clearly in Matthew 7, if we just hear the teachings and we don't do anything about them, we don't put them into practice. When the storms of this life come, when stuff gets difficult, we are going to be on our knees. Um, so I just want to challenge you this morning. Um, it's not a guilt trip. That is absolutely not what we're about. That is not from God. But actually, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to start as a church journeying together and continue journeying together, which we will be doing for the rest of our lives. We're never going to nail this, spoiler alert, we're going to have to keep going. But it's an invitation for a better way. Um, and as with all training, you don't go out and run 26.2 miles on day one. Um, and so I want to encourage you, if you are at a place where you are not reading your Bible at all, if you never pick up your Bible, you've never touched it, don't go out and try and read your Bible an hour a day tomorrow because you'll probably last about a week and then you'll flop and you'll fail. Or if I did it, that's what I would do. 
what training is about is it's about starting where you're at. Take where you are. I've got some suggestions behind me of some of the things I do in my practices, but this isn't a perfect list. This isn't a list that will work for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a tick box, follow these four steps and your life will be transformed. It doesn't work like that. It's about training. So I just want to encourage you, if you don't read your Bible at all, why don't you find a time to start? I'm sure everybody in here, I won't ask you to put your hands up, that'll be embarrassing, but I'm sure everyone in here brushes their teeth twice a day. I really hope you all brush your teeth twice a day. I'd be very, Nikki would be very sad if you don't. Um, we don't do that because we love it and we're having an amazing time brushing our teeth and we're like, yeah, this is incredible. We do that because it's a habit we've formed because we know it's good for us in the long run. And if you're not reading your Bible at the minute, why don't you try and find two minutes, three minutes in your day where you can start picking up that habit. Find a time that works for you, whether it's the morning, whether it's the evening, whatever it is, find a time that works and start making a habit. When we try and do it in our willpower, you're going to go nowhere. The reason athletes, I'm not an athlete, but I'm going to call myself an athlete for the purpose of this analogy. The reason athletes succeed when they train is because they make it a habit. They don't just go for a run as and when they feel like it. It forms part of the structure of their life. And if we don't build scripture into the structure of our life, we are going nowhere. And so I've put some ideas around, play around with it. If you are reading your Bible, then why don't you look at actually how can I go to the next level of putting this into practice? Maybe I can pick some of the words of Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And if you don't read your Bible and you've never read your Bible, I'd really encourage you, that is a great place to start. 5, 6 and 7, first book of the Gospels. It is a really, really how-to of how to follow Jesus. It is good stuff. Um, and the other thing I want to say is this is what we're here for as church. This is my job. Um, admittedly, I'm not paid for it, so it's not really my job. But also, I would be buzzed to sit and read the Bible with you. If you have never opened your Bible, or if you do open your Bible and you sit there and you're like, I don't even know what to read, or I'm reading this and I just don't know what to do with it and I'm stuck, that is what we're there for as a church. Grab me, grab someone else you trust, um, and just say, can you help me out? Can you help me start reading this incredible life-giving word? Um, Just take 30 seconds to a minute, maybe get your phone out, get your notes out on your phone. Why don't you just write yourself a goal? Something that you want to do, something that you want to change in your reading of your Bible with Jesus, because we've all got so, I've got so much more to learn. But when I started reading my Bible, I probably read it ad hoc. I read it once a month at best. And then someone told me to do Bible in a year. So I tried to read um, Bible in a year in like a month, and I managed about three days before I gave up. Um, I tried so many different things, and it's been a journey for me with reading my Bible. But I'm now in a place where every morning I sit and I sit in my chair, I get my cup of tea and I am buzzed about sitting with these life-giving words because I know the difference they are making to my heart. But I want to give you a spoiler alert, it's not going to transform your life in three days. You're not going to be able to sit and read your Bible and all of a sudden everything will be magical. This is a journey. This is a journey that we're all going to be walking and we're going to be walking for the rest of our lives. So why don't we just sit, Sonia's just going to play for us and Michael's going to play for us. Get your phones out, get a note out, get whatever you want. Just make yourself a note. Um, Make yourself a note of what you want to push yourself, the next step in your training. And if you don't know what that is, grab me at the end, grab Nikki, grab anyone else who's around and say, I don't know what to do, but I want to learn to follow this training program. And we'll help you out and we'll figure out a way to do it together.